It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Trey, thank you for joining us for another Tuesday edition of the podcast. Uh, this week, in honor of my wife and Mary Langston, um, there will be some good news worked in. And quite candidly, there is more good news than there is bad news in the world. But we don't talk about it enough, or I shouldn't say we, I don't talk about it enough, probably because we don't hear about it enough. So, in honor of Terry and Mary Langston and everyone else who wishes things weren't always so dreary and so negative, um, I'll give a nod to a little bit of good news. And then, thank goodness, I'll close by being myself again. So I, I don't want anyone to think this is like a long term condition that I am suffering from where I'm going to focus on things that are happy and upbeat and positive. Uh, but there are a couple of things I think that are worth worth paying attention to, or at least worth noticing. A um, couple of them, there'd be no way in the world for you to know about. And a couple of them, maybe you also saw. Uh, I am stunned at the kindness uh, of strangers. I get emails um, periodically to, I got a couple of different email accounts, um, but this this man offered me a ticket to sit with him during the Baylor men's NCAA basketball tournament. It happened to be in Colorado, which is, uh, I don't have a map in front of me, but I don't think that's right next to South Carolina. So I wasn't going to be able to make it, but uh, what a kind gesture. Got tickets to the NCAA regionals, got a seat for you. I know you went to Baylor. I know you pulled for Scott Drew and the Baylor better basketball team, both men's and women's, but this was the men's side. Um, and he said, if you can't come, I'll get you a T-shirt. So I, it just, you know, every now and again, somebody will send you like a not so pleasant email. Usually those are from my sisters. But every now and again, someone will maybe send you a critiquing email. But the overwhelming majority of the folks who reach out to me are kind and nice and considerate and thoughtful. They don't always offer you tickets to an NCAA regional basketball game. but that was a really, really nice thing to do. So to that gentleman, thank you. And then sticking with basketball and kind gestures, uh, Kim Mulkey was the women's coach at Baylor for a long, long time, won three national championships. And she's been on our podcast. She's been on the television show. Um, I met her a long, long time ago. And I have followed her career and consider her uh, to be a friend. So she left Baylor, which is a whole other podcast at some point, and went back to her home, which is in Louisiana. She did not go to LSU. She went to Louisiana Tech, won a national championship there as a player. But she goes back to LSU. And, of course, LSU makes the NCAA women's basketball tournament. And they are scheduled to play in Greenville, South Carolina. And I do. My wife and I don't do a whole lot publicly. She's uh, very, very well known. And we have a hard time getting through places because people want to stop and talk to her. And she's very kind. 
So we don't go to a lot of sporting events. But I thought, well, you know, Coach Mulkey and her team are going to be right next door in Greenville. So she was kind enough to leave me tickets. And it was LSU played Utah. And it was a phenomenal environment. It was a great game. It came down to the last couple of seconds. If you watched the game, you know what I'm talking about. If you didn't watch the game, just imagine a back-and-forth seesaw affair for 40 minutes of basketball. And I got to sit with uh, Coach Mulkey's uh, friends that are really more like family and her family, uh, her daughter and her son-in-law and her grand. Two of her grandchildren uh, were there. So it was an electric atmosphere. The bad news, I guess, is my wife, Terry, stopped talking to me about halfway through the game. She's something about yelling at the referees or pounding on the scores table. I mean, we had really good seats. The scores table was right in front of me. So I had something to pound on. It's not like you're pounding on the seat in front of you or the person in front of you. I figured if Coach Mulkey didn't want me to pound on the scores table, she would not have given me those seats where I had something to pound on, but Terry was not happy about yelling at the referees, pounding on the scores table. She said I wasn't listening to her. That part of it actually was true. I I was not listening, so I don't know exactly what she said, but it was the general theme of can you not get arrested or asked to leave Bon Secours um, Wellness Center in Greenville because of your uh, commentary on on the officiating, uh, which, by the way, was bad in my defense. I'm not minimizing uh, the inappropriateness of my conduct, but well, actually, I am because the officiating, at least to me in that game, uh, was not very good. So some people think, well, if you yell loud enough, it's going to impact the game and and it's go- there's going to be a change. Uh, I have found that if you really want the referees to, to to hear you, you need to wait until there's a break in the action when the arena is quiet. You can't do it in the middle of a play because there's a lot of noise and excitement. The atmosphere is electric. You really have to wait to, um, I don't know. I mean, you can do it during the prayer because um, it's kind of quiet then. You can do it. Well, there are plenty of times to do it. But apparently I picked the wrong time. My wife wasn't happy. About all that, I was pulling for LSU, of course, because of Coach Mulkey. But but that does not mean you cannot appreciate uh, the other team and especially, especially feel bad uh, for the Utah player on the free throw line at the end of the game. I, I'm, this game was back and forth, and LSU was up by one point. And I don't know the Utah player's name. I know she was number 22. She played a great game. She was really good on defense. She was guarding, at various points, two of the better LSU players. She hustled the entire game. Uh, Great, great effort. And there she is. She finds herself, I think they're 4.7 seconds to go in the game. And she is fouled. And she's got uh, two shots. And I mean, just stop right there and imagine you've got an arena full of people. Your team is one free free throw away from tying the game, two free throws away from progressing on to the elite eight in the NCAAs. Um, And this and this young basketball player, uh, she missed them. Uh, She missed them. And I. Yes. Did I want LSU to win? Yes. Did I want LSU to win 
like that? No. I mean, I have missed three-foot putts with no one looking, on the, with no, no one yelling, no one talking, no one else on the practice green, and I missed it. I get nervous. I mean, I don't get nervous in public speaking. I don't get nervous on television. I do get nervous in a little match I play with my friends where we hardly are playing for any money at all. Nothing. Nerves are just they're and I don't know that it was nerves. I you'd have to you'd have to ask her. I just know this. I cannot imagine being in that situation. So yes, I wanted LSU to win, but I did not want LSU to win by a young athlete who played such a good game missing free throws. So to number 22 from Utah, if I have the number right, hang in there. Most of us would not have been able to even get the ball out of our hands in that circumstance. You played a great game, and so did your teammates. And even though I know you more than anything, you wanted to make it to the Elite Eight, I am sure that I am not speaking for only for myself. But you have fans in South Carolina for the rest of your playing days. Um, and we hope to see you back uh, in the NCAAs uh, for whatever time you have remaining. We'll be right back with more of the Trey Gowdy podcast. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Sticking with sports because that's where so another act of kindness, Aliyah Boston from the University of South Carolina, uh, for my money, is the best uh, women's player in the college ranks. Uh, people can argue with that. There are other good ones. But for me, she's the best. So, of course, she won an award in the SEC tournament. Um, she deserved it. She should have won it. And she did. And somehow or another, a camera gets snuck back into the locker room for the USC women's team, and you see Aaliyah Boston, who won this award that she deserved, walk it over to a teammate who had not received the appreciation or the recognition or the fanfare or the notoriety that she deserved. So Aaliyah Boston, for my money, the best player in women's basketball, although I do understand their arguments, took that award that she won, and deservedly so, and walks it over and gives it to a teammate. And I don't mean gives it to a teammate to hold. I don't mean give it to a teammate to say, hey, look what I got. You can hold it for 30 seconds. Literally gives the award to her teammate. Not, not so you and I would know about it, not so you and I would see it, because she is a good and decent person even when no one is looking. So, yeah, she's a really good basketball player. Listen to her interviewed sometime after a game. She's an even better person. And one of the marks of whether or not you're a good person is not so much whether or not you can say the right thing when there's a microphone in your face and everybody's listening, is what do you do when no one else is watching? And here's this 20-something-year-old. And look, you can never really have enough awards, can you? I mean, you can always just build another room onto your house and put all your awards. And this is one that she deserved. And it was a significant award. And she walks it over to a teammate because in her mind, the teammate was being underappreciated. So she decided to fix that. 
One more thing from sports, because as you can tell, that's where I spent a lot of my time. Uh, Dawn Staley, head coach of the USC women's basketball team, ranked number one in the country, number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. So they are playing, I think it's UCLA, playing UCLA. And every team left in the tournament at this point is a good team. South Carolina is really, really good, but but any team left could beat them if they if South Carolina has a down night and the other team has a good night. So it it is it is win or go home. This is not best three out of five. This is win and go home. So South Carolina is playing UCLA. A UCLA player gets injured. So my math's not great, but if there's a player injured and they have five players on their side, then that means they're playing with four players on that particular play because there's somebody down and out and they're injured, and it's five on four. And that's a pretty decent advantage in basketball, five on four. So you're in a big game. You're trying to make it to the Elite Eight so you can pursue a national championship. You notice somebody goes down. You could do a couple of things. You could say, you know what, I'll say a prayer for you. I'm going to send a good wish for you. I'm going to hope that, you know, it's just a sprain and you can walk it off. I'm going to hope that, you know, nobody steps on you when they're coming back down the other end of the court. But the play is going to go on. You could have said that. A lot of people would have done that. Play is going to go on. Not my fault that somebody else's player got hurt. Happens in sports. But that is not what she did. Dawn Staley called a timeout. So a player on the other team could get medical assistance. Timeouts, by the way, are precious in sports. You can argue they are more important in women's basketball because you can advance the ball with a timeout. You can move the ball well over half a court with a timeout in women's basketball. Can't do it in men's basketball, but you can in women's basketball. So they are precious. Timeouts are precious. And there are Dawn Staley. Noticing a player for the other team is hurt. And the refs, for some reason, didn't stop the game. Maybe they're not supposed to. I don't know. I don't know what the rule is. I just know what decency is. I know what humanity is. So the coach on the other team calls a timeout so an opponent can get help. People sometimes say, well, people, it's mainly my wife, all you do is watch sports. Well, sports is a microcosm for our culture, for society. And every now and again, you see things that uh, give you hope. And there's a lot more of that, I think, than there is the negative stuff. The players that get arrested, the players that get in trouble. I'm not saying that's not newsworthy, but boy, it'd be nice. It'd be nice if more people knew that there are student athletes that are giving up awards. There are student athletes that are going out of their way to help people. There are coaches that are calling timeouts, not for their team, but for the other team. So before we go, I, I do feel an obligation to return to my normal cynical self for a second. Uh, there's a movie, there's certain movies you may be like this also. There are certain movies that it doesn't matter how many times I've seen them. If I am flipping around and I see that that movie is on, I will stop and watch part of it. Uh, pretty much anything with Denzel Washington, Deja Vu, Man on Fire, Equalizer, um, but also Tombstone. 
which is a movie that has a bunch of stars in it, but we'll just stick with Kurt Russell and Val Kilmer. It's uh, it's a Western, you know, Wyatt Earp, Doc Holliday. There's a line in there. Doc Holliday does something to really save Wyatt Earp's life. And in the process, he puts on a U.S. Marshal, a law enforcement badge, and he does what he has to do under color and protection of the law, which is really to save Wyatt Earp's life. And then he, he does what he needs to, and then he takes the badge off. He takes the shield off and says, my hypocrisy goes only so far. That's one of the more famous lines. There are a couple of them from that movie Tombstone, but my hypocrisy goes only so far. We are all hypocrites to some degree, but we are not all hypocrites to the same degree. So I do wonder sometimes where voters draw the line or the lines. Uh, when our private words and our private actions do not match our public words and our public actions. And you'll have to ask yourself and I'll have to ask myself uh, which we prefer. I, my guess is we prefer consistency, that you say the same thing publicly that you say privately. That That's my guess, that we prefer consistency. If you don't get that, would you rather someone tell you the truth privately or tell you the truth publicly? I posed that question to a couple of my buddies recently, and I was surprised at the answer. I, I think the real answer is we prefer whichever version we agree with. And we don't really mete out any consequences when there is inconsistency or when it's incongruent or when it's like completely opposite. The challenge, of course, uh, when dealing with people who present two faces is knowing which one, if either, you can ever trust. So when I think about politics and the media and what's going on in our culture, we just have to ask ourselves how much of what we see is performative, how much of it is real. And if people do not act and say the same things publicly and privately, why? And what makes them think we're okay with that? And are we okay with that? There was a line I used to use in the courtroom. I mean, if you follow the Murdoch trial, his undoing was a lie. And, and I said early, early on in that trial, I would rather have a false exculpatory statement than a confession. And I heard from a couple of prosecutors that said, you know, you're right. I agree with you. I mean, everybody thinks, well, I need a confession. I need somebody to admit I committed this crime. I've had juries not believe confessions before. They didn't believe them. They, they didn't think anybody would ever, like, admit that they did this. What human nature does believe is that we will lie to protect ourselves. But the challenge with a lie, and this was the quote I would use in the courtroom, is, is from a German philosopher, so it's not original. I'm not, and I'll paraphrase it, I'm not upset that you lied to me. I'm upset that I can't rely on anything else you ever tell me. And that's the nature of deceit. That's the nature of, of knowing that someone 
says something completely opposite in private from what is said publicly is regardless of whether you agree with the public or private sentiments. And you can't agree with both because they're completely opposite. How can you rely? How, how, how do you in the future know what to believe? That's, that's the thing about candor and honesty and trustworthiness is it once it's gone, it used to be kind of hard to get back. We'll be right back with more of the Trey Gowdy podcast. All right, I'm going to close with one more thing that captured my attention this week. And again, it's from a book. There's a scene in the book, The Count of Monte Cristo, where the priest, and if you haven't read the book, I fully encourage you to do it. And and if reading, you know, just isn't an option right now at this point in life, the movie takes about two and a half hours. So don't care whether it's the book or the movie. This line is actually in both. But there's a scene where the priest uh, is interacting with Edmond Dantes in the Chateau d'If, which is the prison that Edmond Dantes had been sent to. Um, uh, Edmond Dantes falsely accused, falsely convicted, falsely imprisoned, which would, think about it, be among the worst feelings in the world. Can you imagine rotting in a prison cell for something you did not do? It would be a test of Everything that you are, everything that you believe, including your faith. We are brought up to believe that if you do the right thing, good things will happen to you, that we should do the right thing, that the world on balance is fair. And here is Edmond Dantes, who is in a notorious prison, a terrible prison for the remainder of his life. Nobody knows. Nobody who loves him knows where he is. Can you imagine a worse feeling? And so there's a priest there, too, who um, is there uh, under political circumstances, but the priest has accepted his fate. Um, he knows he's going to die in that prison, and he's at peace with that. So he's getting towards the end, and the priest uh, knows he's about to die, and he's offering some last-minute advice to the young Edmond Dantes in case Dantes ever escapes or gets out. I mean, the chances are slight. But if he ever does, of course, he gives him a map to some treasure. But more importantly, he gives him some advice because this young Edmond Dantes, who was a really, really sweet natured guy before he was falsely accused in prison, sentenced to life. Dantes is out for revenge for all those who betrayed him, for all those who let him down, for all those who forgot about him, who set him up, who left him to suffer. Edmond Dantes is out for revenge. So the priest tells him, do not commit the crime for which you now serve the sentence. Do not commit the crime for which you now serve the sentence. Do not use what happened to you as an excuse to become what you should not become. That's what the priest would say. Do not commit the crime for which you now serve the sentence. And then he followed that up by saying, vengeance is mine, saith God. To which Edmond Dantes replies, but I do not believe in God. And the priest smiles and says, that's okay. He believes in you. There is so much in that exchange. Oh, 
later on, we can talk about the reality that God's existence does not depend upon whether or not you believe. Most things in life do not depend upon whether or not we believe in them or not. Things are objectively true or not, uh, and they don't depend on what we think or feel or believe. That is such a great line, though, that God's belief in you does not depend upon your belief in him. But for now, focus on the first line. Don't commit the crime for which you now serve the sentence. Why does that matter? Um, I hope the former president embraces that, at least as it relates to the case in New York. The facts, the law, the precedent, prosecutorial discretion, at least in that fact pattern, are all on his side. I don't know about the other cases. I don't have all the facts. But as it relates to New York, even people who are not at all politically aligned with the former president think that he is on decently solid footing as it relates to what the prosecutor in New York is trying to do. So from that standpoint, at least among those, I mean, I guess he's under investigation in four jurisdictions, at least as it relates to New York, there is at least some bipartisan belief that he is being unfairly targeted. So why, why, why talk about death and destruction and baseball bats and threats against the district attorney. Do not commit the crime for which you now serve the sentence. Or to paraphrase that for 2023 politics, do not commit an offense in your desire to establish your innocence. That is good advice for all of us. Thank you for joining us uh, this Tuesday. If there is good news that I have missed, send it my way. Uh, otherwise, I hope you have a fantastic week and I look forward to being with you same time next week. Take care. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com.